This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Uh, Linda actually talked about this incredible cloak to the observer. She said it's called a Vivar Felder. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> Firefield deer. I don't know. Hello and welcome to the Art of Casting Blackcast. I'm Elizabeth Joy Glass. And I'm Spencer Williams. Elizabeth, what's up? I haven't seen you in a while. I know, I know. I have been gardening and rocking out to Florence and the Machine. <laughs> that is what I've been doing. <laughs> That's fun. I feel like I've been all over. I went to Vegas for a That's weekend. Right. Uh, that was insanity. I went to the Lovers and Friends Festival and I got to see some of my favorite artists. I saw T Pain, Ja Rule, Ashanti, uh, Sierra, TLC. With that being said, it was like 200 degrees out. Um, so I'll probably never step foot in the sun again. You were in the middle of Vegas. Yeah. It is, it is hot there. I mean, I, I had it coming. I knew it was coming. But when you're standing out there for 12 hours, it, it does start to hit. <laughs> yeah. I've decided. So I have I have a friend who lives in Vegas. So I like will go visit her. But I'm never like planning a trip to Vegas again unless someone else is planning it. Because it's just it's a lot. It's a lot going to Vegas. Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a big Vegas person. I try. I go like this past time. I, you know, I drank and I gambled. But the whole time I was like, I don't know. Something about this place just doesn't match my energy. I'm not like yeah. a go, go, go. Like, oh, I'll drink here. Then I'll drink there. Yeah. I will lose my money there. I'm like, I, yeah, I still like mm-hmm. to be in bed. You know, by Also, same, same, <laughs> which I think is always my problem. And also like, all the other times I've been to Vegas, I've always been very poor. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't think Vegas is for like, if you're going to have a good time, I don't think you can be poor. That being said, I would go with you and our friends, you know, Avija, yeah. Chloe, Daniel, that, that would, that would be fun because I think we're all the same energy. It would be like 11 o'clock and we'd all be like, all right, well, I'm off to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off to bed now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe for my 30th, I'll consider it. Maybe. Uh, oh, I do have a follow-up on this uh, exciting journey of me trying to get a child-sized popcorn. Okay. Yeah. So last time we spoke, I was too scared to ask. Mm-hmm. Since then, I have now upgraded my AMC subscription to the AMC, you know, like stubs, whatever. Ooh. Since we're you watching. need to explain that to me because I, I have Regal right now, but I want to like I, I need to compare and contrast them. Okay, yeah, we, we could talk about talk about after, but I figure you know we're seeing so many movies for the podcast. Like I gotta yeah, I gotta get in there. Um with that being said, 
I, I walked up ready to get like a little baby popcorn, but because I'm a member now, they're like, oh, do you want the free upgrade to the large popcorn and large drink? And I was like, no. <laughs> so I walked away. I'll show you the picture. I have a giant popcorn the size of my entire body and a you large don't need it. and a large Coke that I could probably take a bath in. It's huge. Spencer, we, we need we need to change this culture in America. We don't need these things. We don't need it, but I'm not gonna pay for the subscription and not upgrade, you know? Okay, imagine like gain a subscription being like, No, can I still get the small popcorn? Yes. They're like Absolutely. You're losing money at this point. <laughs> I think I don't know how the math works. I don't works. think so. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's how it works. I ate like half the tub too of popcorn. By the end of the Northman, I was feeling a lot of different emotions. Also, I was I like bet. ten pounds heavier of just popcorn and my multiple free refills of Coke. Now you know it was just it was a disaster. I just was not feeling great. Um, I don't know if that the Northman really helped too. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Everybody, this week, we saw the North Man. (laughs) (laughs) That was a film. That was a film. We haven't talked about it. I even texted Elizabeth and she ignored me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you texted me. I think you forget we have like a three hour time difference. I do often. Yeah, I forget. (laughs) (laughs) That was like the middle of the night for me. So I don't think I saw that text till like the next morning. Yeah, it was, was like, like 11. Oh, man. It was like 11 p.m. my time. So Elizabeth's definitely been asleep for like an easy six hours at this point. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, that shit was crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. I remember why I didn't respond. I meant to respond to you, but it was one of those gross mornings where I have to get up at 3.30 for uh, work. Oh, yeah. So I saw it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I should respond to that. And I didn't. <laughs> no, I was probably just getting to bed. Um, yeah, let's talk about this. This film was crazy. I don't know how I feel about it yet. So I'm excited yeah. for this podcast because I'm hoping by the end of this podcast, I'll know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about the film, but the costumes were actually killer. So I think you should start us off with a summary, Spencer. The costumes were killer. Uh, let me give you a little summary. And let's just start by saying that there are, you know, Elizabeth and I are not good with names. This is a pretty namey movie. So it's, yeah, it's going to be a rough one, but we're going to give it our best shot. <laughs> I, I have to say, I was kind of okay with the names in this because I watched every single season of Vikings. Yeah. So I would like recognize some of the names, but then there were some names. I was just like, oof, I don't know, man. And I play Assassin's Creed Valhalla where you play a character named Eivor. <laughs> so that's that's my background uh, is playing a Viking game. Elizabeth has some Viking television work. So we're just going to give our best shot. After witnessing the brutal murder of his father, King Arvindil, at the hands of his uncle Fjolnir, young Amalith swears to avenge his father and to save his mother, who he believes was forcefully taken by his uncle. However, as an adult, he finds that not everything he believed was what it seemed. Actually, nothing was as it seemed. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Everybody, if you haven't seen this and you care about spoilers for this movie... Go watch it because we need to talk about this because first things first, starting at this moment, this was a classic case of miscommunication. (laughs) 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 This whole 
story is classic miscommunication. Yeah. And it's like, I get that his mother was not thrilled with having him, but like, maybe just turn your child against his father. Like, maybe not just like tell him all these fairy tales and then try to have him murdered. Like, it was real confusing. Can I just say that Nicole Kidman playing a villain? was staggering it was horrifying i've never seen that before i was like oh my gosh especially after you know that you don't have this at regal but amc we have the ridiculous nicole kidman commercial that starts every film which i absolutely love where she's like oh my gosh i have to show you it's so good it's so beautiful and then we get into the film and she's like this evil witch (laughs) viking queen and i was like i was not ready i was not ready oh (laughs) well Before we get too into it, because I feel like at this point, we're just going to start talking about the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go behind the wardrobe, because we have director Robert Eggers, who I have to say I'm not familiar with his work up until this point. Really? Uh, No, I haven't. I haven't seen The Witch or The Lighthouse, so I'm not really familiar. I've always known he's like an interesting director, but this I was like, ooh, this took the cake. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But then we have costume designer Linda Muir, who she holds a special place in my heart because her notable works are The Witch in 2015, The Lighthouse, both with Robert Eggers. And then she also costume designed the second two seasons of Bitten, which is one of my favorite cheesy TV shows of all time. Never heard of it. You have watched episodes from this because I was depression watching this in our apartment <laughs> when we lived together. Liz was like, wrong. <laughs> You've seen it. You have absolutely seen it. Because I would lay on that leather couch we had and watch this when I didn't know what to do with my life. um i'm a big fan of linda's work on the witch i love the witch i feel like the only person on this planet that loves the witch because people give me so much slack for watching this movie i think it's so good i've I've never seen it i have a vague memory of talking about like going to the theaters with you to go see it yeah and like with our friends but for some reason that never happened so i've never seen this oh i brought our like big old friend group and everyone walked out and they're like spencer fuck you how dare you bring me to see the shit movie and i was like did we see the same movie i thought it was fantastic i love it it's oh my gosh that sounds like our friends too (laughs) i think that was anya taylor joy's like one of her very first films i mean she was itty bitty yeah because i remember i remember seeing her in the previews for it and being like isn't she a model why is she why why is she in this um but it sounds like Linda had quite the experience uh, on this film. And thankfully, she's done like quite a few interviews about The Northmen, which is really awesome. Um, she did an interview with Vogue where she said, it was the biggest project I've ever done, the biggest team I've ever wor- worked with, and the best experience of my career. So Aww, like, I love that. That's so sweet. Um, <laughs> and she talked a lot about, you know, her collaboration with Robert and she said he provides me with an incredible amount of information and takes great care in answering my questions and filling me in not just on the backstory of the characters but then how the backstory relates to the sagas relates to the culture because I found out after watching this movie 
that this is based on the saga of Amleth, okay. which is apparently it's Scandinavian like folktale. Okay. So I'm like, that explains like a little bit of like why this is so. That makes me like, feel a little better, actually. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that explains why this is like wild. This is a wild movie, people. Like, don't expect to understand exactly what's going on. I also found out, according to Wikipedia and a grunge article, that uh, Amleth is the inspiration for um, William Shakespeare's um, Hamlet. Hmm. That's interesting. Which I'm like, that also helps like understand the story a little bit more. See, I told you, we just got to do this podcast. It's all coming together right? slowly. Right. Before we make our official scientific opinion. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what Robert also did for Linda is gave her a bunch, a bunch of research. He's apparently very into research and like, you know, being historically accurate which they really attempted to do with this movie, even though clearly some parts give or take <laughs> how <laughs> accurate they are. But even after she was given all of his research, Linda did her own and she said it was challenging to do research for this film because a lot of it was in Polish, Ukrainian or Lithuanian and so needed to be translated for her. <laughs> That's when you know you got the good research. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. She also talked to Vogue about some of the really extra. She really did her research for this. The research she did, uh, she said to Vogue, along with reading the sagas, I came across a book by a woman called Niel Glazel. Forgive me if that's not how you pronounce your name, who is Danish but lives in Norway now. And she's been making Viking clothing for over 20 years. She is a living archaeologist, a contemporary Viking woman. And so I had some questions about very specific designs that I wanted to include, particularly for Queen Gudrun's costuming. <laughs> and from Neil's book, I gleaned th this idea that pleated, pleated shifts would go under all her clothes and be used as nightwear. Neil and I s started up a conversation via email and she was terrifically helpful. So I thought, maybe I'll ask Niel to come and join us. She doesn't have film experience, but she certainly has a Viking experience. And that was, <laughs> in hindsight, a really crucial decision because she just, she was just a font of information about these very specific construction techniques. I would look at pieces from museums or things that archaeologists had written, but then to translate that into actually constructing these pieces was a whole other task. So she was just like grabbing a modern Viking woman, which I, I had heard of people like modern Vikings who actually like live and dress and like make clothing as if they were still living in that era. I love this. But, I love this. <laughs> yeah. But like I'd kind of forgotten about it. Um, so I love that she found this archaeologist woman who's also like a modern day Viking and is like, you know what? Maybe we should just bring you on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that. That's, that's real cool. I love this idea that there's modern Vikings. I, yeah. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go to, I found a website and I, I think you, I think we might be able to do this, um, but I, I need to read into it more, but it really was helpful. And like, I got to say like, these are very accurate to the period. Um, she 
said to A-Frame, they kind of had this concept while making the costumes of the five W's. Uh, She said at the start, everyone was on the same page in terms of why we were doing what we were doing, why we were doing so much hand sewing, why we were doing so much embroidery, and how we were doing what we were doing. So she was like, these five whys, this, this, is, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Everybody has to be on board for this to work. <laughs> Everyone's like, Linda, why are we doing so much hand sewing? Why can't I use my machine? She's like, keep doing it. She's- it's for the Viking culture. <laughs> <laughs> and because they wanted to be so detail-oriented and specific to this period, the film has over 120 original costume, costume designs and almost 1,200 crowd costumes. Wow. Because she was like, you couldn't just go to a warehouse and pick up what we were looking for. I don't know how they got the 1,200 costumes, because I feel like there weren't that many people in this movie. But I guess there was a lot in those, like, that opening scene and then that village that we quickly, you know, ran through, but whatever. That they destroyed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She said to Vogue, we had an incredible team. I think over 80 makers. Ooh. There was an extraordinary amount of hand sewing and hand embroidery in this film. So we had our work cut out for us. You think? Um, <laughs> a lot of the textiles I found were one-offs. They were plant dyed pieces and beautifully handwoven wools. At one point, I was joking that I was afraid it was going to kill her Polish weaver. He was 80 (laughs) years old and just kept ask, and I just kept asking for more and more of his beautiful (laughs) wool. But they had to be, they had to pre cut the pieces into certain dimensions in order to plant dye them effectively. So, for our purposes, where we might need three of the same garment i had to figure out different ways of extending the fabric to make all the garments we needed but in the end it was actually very viking approach they were incredibly economical i mean there really isn't one complete garment certainly not complete outfit that is available to inspect from that time which is really a problem like like she said the vikings were very resourceful people and Kind of despite how they're portrayed, they weren't like ravaging savages all the time. Like within right. their communities, they had very structured culture. It They made what they needed. And there really is not a lot surviving because um, they didn't make a lot of excess. That's just not something they did. Yeah. And even in like, you know, we have a lot of information about what they wore from burials but even that stuff is like you know kind of falls apart once you uncover the tombs and then also like um tapestries and like carvings and stuff from the time but it's like there's really no truly accurate depiction of what they wore right so she had her work cut out for her on this film (laughs) that's insane i mean you can tell just from like watching a trailer like oh this is going to be very costumey, lots of hard work. Yes. Film. Like, I really hope she gets like an Oscar nod because she put in the work and it looks beautiful. Like, that's honestly not to downplay anybody's work in this film. 
But the costumes were the best part of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you. It was a lot of fun. Um, I'm just really excited to jump into it. I've I've been dying to talk about this with you. So let's take a break and get into it. Absolutely. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, this is Dan, audio engineer of the Blogcast. Just wanted to let you know that if you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash theartofcostume. There we post unheard bloopers, highlights, and bonus episodes just for our patrons. Make sure to check out the description for all of our links. And thank you for all of your support. What does he say? He says, like, I'll fetch you, father. I'll save Save you, mother. mother. I will kill you, (laughs) Falnir. I was driving home just saying that to myself. I'll fetch you, father. I'll save you, mother. mother. I will kill you, Falnir. All right, let's get into this. Oh, my gosh. Talk Uh, about... I don't think I've ever seen Willem Dafoe underused until this movie. I this okay so let's just uh, we'll get into it. I was not feeling this movie uh when we were watching this Will and Defoe stuff and the scene that follows when when Omelet and his dad are running <laughs> <laughs> Amlet Amlet they're, they're running around barking like dogs and then his dad like burps and little Amlet gives like a little he gives like a little little two. I was like, what? <laughs> what is this? Like, I don't know. Willem Dafoe's jumping around like an animal and with his very bad hairline. I was like, I don't know. What did I sign up for? <laughs> I have to say, this this movie was not what I expected. No, not at all. <laughs> it it's it's not. It is. I feel like the uh whoever edited the preview should win an award. <laughs> yeah, because this was also a case of miscommunication. I thought we were sitting down for like this period epic like war film, lots of battles. No, it's just like a very dramatic family revenge story. I mean, it was Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it starts off with Willem Dafoe as uh 
Hamir the Fool, who, looking back on it, he was the only one who knew what was actually going on and tried yeah. to warn the king. But it's like, dude, straightforward communication. <laughs> I was feeling like Spencer the Fool at this moment. <laughs> yeah, he like he looks so dirty. And I'm like, I guess like what like what is his hat even supposed to be? It looks like a chicken like with horns or something. I was getting dragon vibes, just like with the colors and the horns coming yeah. off of it. Like yeah. I was I was thinking maybe a dragon. Either way, it was just like it was a lot. Um, but in terms of like a fool costume, nailed it. I mean, this is I knew exactly what this character was the second I saw Willem Dafoe. Um, it was just startling to see Willem Dafoe as the fool, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was also startling to, after this scene, and after like that weird drug-induced scene with his father, we yeah. only see Willem Dafoe one more time, and it's his mummified head. Yeah. Which, <laughs> that was a lot, too. And he still has like the very bad hairline and a large forehead. <laughs> it was just a lot. <laughs> It was a lot. It also didn't help that he was not wearing pants in that scene. I was like, oh, okay. Oh, the man holding his mummified head? Oh, that man and Willem Dafoe. He's not wearing pants. Oh. And that and that in his jester, it's just like a tunic with like the socks. Huh. I must have missed that. I was probably distracted by all of the things. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot happened. A lot happened in that scene that was disturbing and distracting yeah, I i'm know. not gonna say what but i was like i almost walked out of the theater i didn't know what i was looking at for a time the first like 20 minutes of this film was pretty rough i'll say i was like i don't know yeah. what i signed up for but i'm gonna stick with it because at the end of the day i know there's gonna be some alexander skarsgård nudity and viking so yeah. i was like let's do this and it's like i feel bad because you can tell everybody put like so much work into this I'm just like, something was missed in translation when it came to the script. Right. <laughs> um, talking about uh, things getting missed in translation, Ethan Hawke as King Arvindale War Raven. Ooh, yeah. Um, I'll say that I did not realize it was Ethan Hawke until yesterday when I was reviewing our notes before <laughs> our podcast recording. I don't. When I. Now that I look at I, him, I'm like, oh, obviously that's Ethan Hawke. We just did Moon Knight. Like, that's clearly him. But it, it didn't dawn to me when we were in the theaters. Yeah, I, I recognized him, but I couldn't, like, I was like, like I, I was like, I just saw this person in something. And then when I went on IMDb, I was like, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His costume was sick, though. I mean, this was like a. This was like a little bit more of a recognizable, like, Viking king war raven costume like i knew this costume and it was very well done yeah so uh linda actually talked about this look to indie wire she said from the waist up he's a king the fur for the interior of the cloak was done in rome and there was an excessive amount of red martin on the inside of his cloak which was made of intricate woven wool and jewelry and I gave him practical trousers and workday boots appropriate for conducting raids. So she was like lavish, lavish cloak, but also very practical because like he's coming back from a raid in that first scene. <laughs> I was like, oh, coming back from work, honey. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I just did some good pillaging, but I got to look good too because yeah. I'm married to Nicole Kidman. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, I also love she did talk a little bit about like his his crown and his um his helmet because crowns weren't really worn in that period, but they felt like he needed something. So that's why you just have the very simple like circlet and then like the intricate metalwork on the helmets. They were like they felt um her and Eggers felt like people wouldn't really understand that he was a king without those kind of symbols. Yeah. That's so they fair. just went with something very simple. That's fair. Um, I guess for us who we talk about costumes all day, we probably wouldn't have known, but I guess everyday people might not. And I'll have to say, I love the King's uh, helmet when he comes back from the raid too. Oh, that's like oh, a very yeah. recognizable like helmet that we could probably track back into history too. So very beautiful. Absolutely. Um, also very beautiful was young Amleth. Um, I love she had her like um, her boards in a lot of the interviews she did. The articles had pictures of her boards uh, and just how much thought uh, she put into everything. And she found out just kind of how important embroidery was for their clothing. Um, she said to Indie Wire for young Amleth's uh, costume, he has very specific bands of tablet weaving a dragon band on his chest embroidery of shields and spears around the bottom of his cloak there are these are intended to promote learning success later in battle all calls to the god gods as someone to watch Mm. so she was like very specific because you look at it and it just looks like like oh nice embroidery but it all has a meaning to it yeah it was very beautiful um with young amleth i i like his costume because it is you could tell it is very noble and sophisticated clearly he's the king's son but also it's still like a little um i don't know i guess like of the people too at the same time like it is very resourceful yeah and practical but still has like that sense of like royalty to it Exactly. And at the time, there wasn't a big style difference between nobility and commoners. What was different was the quality of the wool or linen and the color. It was dyed because it's like, you know, the more money you had, the better dye you could have, the better job of, you know, quality wool and also, I believe they would often, like, re-dye their clothing. So it's like, if you had the money to re-dye your clothing every year, like, it would always be vibrant and bright. Whereas, like, you know, someone might be only able to afford to re-dye something, like, every couple of years. Right. Uh, good old young Amleth. Oh, poor kid. <laughs> he, I, I still can't get over to the scene when he was running around jumping like a wolf and barking and drinking out of a bowl and... Yeah, yeah. That, that's like burned into my brain. <laughs> but then I kept telling myself like, oh, this is probably like some sort of like old tradition that I don't understand. So I shouldn't try to understand it because I'm not there. But it was just a lot. I, I think so. I don't. I, I mean, he clearly did his research. I don't because a lot of if I'm remembering correctly, a lot of like the Viking sagas and everything weren't recorded to like the tail end of like the Viking era because they didn't have like a written tradition. They had an oral tradition of passing down stories and stuff. So it's kind of like, is that really what they did or isn't it? Um, 
I also know that they have like they were like uh, very fascinated with like bears and wolves too, like that. Yeah, they did take a lot of like that like animal spirit was like seen a lot in their traditions and like that berserker costume, which we're going to talk about later too. Like that's all, it's all, it's all there. (laughs) It's all there. It is all there. Um, Also Nicole Kidman, she's got everything on. Ooh. Yeah. Queen Gudrun. Queen Gudrun. Oh, good old. She talk queen of miscommunication not just her people <laughs> Damn. Still, if she would have told us early on hey i don't like your father and i don't particularly like you if i were you i would leave i feel like a lot of this could have been avoided <laughs> yeah i'm like okay i feel like the reason she doesn't like him is because she was a slave and kind of like forced into this marriage and like having you know their son and when she's talking to Amleth as an adult about him, she's like, he was just another filthy slave trader. Duh, 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 duh. And then I'm like, wait, but your current husband is a trade slave yeah. too. Like, and also, I didn't understand the logic. When Amleth was like, I saw you getting carried away and you're screaming. And uh, Gudrun was like, no, I was like laughing and i was like no you weren't you were screaming (laughs) i was so mad i was like dang it mom like no that's not what happened (laughs) i know i know and i'm like and then she was almost like hey become king and i'll become your queen and i'm like i was like wait this is not greek roman mythology (laughs) hold up you just said you loved your husband five seconds ago uh, right but i'm also like i wonder if she's just someone who like just adopts whatever story fits her best at the time or what what will ever give her like the best advantage i mean at the end of the day it's all about like survival not just for queen gudrun but also like all the like slaves are working in the fields like it's all about survival everyone here is just trying to do what takes like like not only is like it's a very like harsh world you know with all this like raiding and pillaging it's also a harsh world in terms of like the environment Mm-hmm. And like everything about it's just harsh. So I feel like everyone's just trying to do what they do to get through. And Queen Gudrun, for some reason, just like I will just marry whoever. And, you know, even if it's my own son, even though I just told him I hate him, but maybe I don't hate him or maybe I do hate him. I don't know. I was very <laughs> confused. I was very yeah. confused. Yeah. Uh, who wasn't confused was Linda when she was talking to Vogue. Uh, she said about Queen. Uh, Gudrun's costumes, uh, kind of the historical research behind them. Uh, she said, I was talking to Neil Price, who is a archaeologist and historical consultant for the film, about Viking women when designing Nicole's costume. And I asked, for instance, what do you think might have made a Viking woman feel sexy? Miracle recalls. And he kind of laughed and said, no one has ever asked me that before. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that thinking because I feel like Nicole Kidman feels sexy in every one of her looks. Right. I totally see that too. Something about it, but she's not revealing anything. She's very, it has Mm -hmm. to do with the colors and the jewelry and that fur that's around her too for a good part of the film. Yeah. And I feel like that's such like a smart question because like, 
you know, I think people just assume like, oh, they didn't dress to be sexy back then because nothing is sexy by our standards. Right. But it's like they absolutely did. Like, she's still a woman who like wants to look good for her men. <laughs> right. <laughs> for her husband that she might like or may not like. We don't know. <laughs> who knows? Uh, Linda also talked about the costume to Indie Wire. She said the high status for the symbols are colored and all plant-based dyes. Matter red, blue, green, marigold. It took a lot of time and money to re-dye back then. It's all about layers and excess. If you've got a train on your dress and it's pleated linen, that takes a lot of effort. And she had an apron dress with big gold brass brooches and we added a four cloth done with decorative braid and some of it has gold threads embedded in it and she has strains of glass beads so she was basically like she has everything expensive yeah (laughs) queen gudrun was decked out from head to toe at all times at all times even once like they lose their kingdom and are like kind of like running that village in Iceland. She still looks fantastic. Like she still got those deep reds. And we were talking talking about funeral outfits last week. They're all white funeral look. Oh yeah, that was nice. Like yeah, it, it was what, real nice. One of my favorites. <laughs> uh, I was also a big fan of her nightgown. Yeah, I was like, yes. Nicole Kidman knows how to wear a nightgown. This, at first, I was like, why is Nicole Kidman playing this character? But then I'm like, this character is perfect for Nicole Kidman at the same time. Mm -hmm. Something about like her facial structure, like it just had Nicole Kidman all over it. And I just have to say that she is. It might be a wig, but it could also be Nicole Kidman's hair. I think it's it's her hair. (laughs) It's very beautiful. I would like to pay good money to brush her hair. That that sounds nice. Right? <laughs> like I would pay good money to have that kind of hair. Yeah. <laughs> like to if I'm being completely honest, um whose hair I would not pay to have? Uh we have Claus Bang as Fjolnir the Brotherless. Mm, 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 mm. Uh yeah, Fjolnir, he was he was a cool guy. Um he's confusing guy. <laughs> I was like, what do you want out of your life? Like, why are you doing this? I'm confused. That first time we saw him when he, well, I should say the second time, because he went from like being a cool guy in the kingdom to being evil and then back to being a village. The second time we saw him when they shot uh, Amleth's father, um, he looked real scary. He had like this helmet that was covering his face. His men were like hooded and cloaked. It was yes. very creepy. And they have these like wool masks, which I was like, ooh, that's scary. Yeah, I was creeped out. Yeah. And uh, Linda actually talked about this incredible cloak to the observer. She said, it's called a Vivar Felder. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. Farfield deer. No, no. Just keep going. She said it's called a Varvid 
No, no, got me messed up, Spencer. That's fine. No, everyone understands. Just carry on with the quote. <laughs> it's called a Varber Felder. And that is perhaps the most authentic piece of Viking clothing in the film. I came across an image that was just gnarly and crazy and thought to myself, what is this? This is just too amazing. The Varfelders were woven on a vertical loom and they used the long and short tog and floss of Icelandic sheep. (laughs) They were used in the Viking age as a commodity. So like metal and even slaves, Volvadiers would be sold or traded because they were incredibly warm. Water just shakes right off them as opposed to hides, which even when treated gets gets stiff. Ours was made in Norway and because of COVID and the furlough, we had enough time to actually make an authentic one. Mm. I love it. So I just assumed that at first that that was an animal hide, but no, that is a cloak woven of sheep hair. That is crazy. I love it. Yeah. I want to look more. I looked up a, uh, a company that actually does them and it, they kind of have like an educational site and I want to look more into it. Dude, I'm that'd like, be fun. I want to read about that too. Right. It's wild. Let's do that after. Let's have a research party. Yes. Um, but what I was confused by, though, was when we fast forward years later and Fjolnir was like leading this village, which I was like, what are the chances that uh, Amleth ended up at this village? But that was whatever. He intentionally went to that village because he knew his uncle was there. Did you miss that? Well, I mean, I heard it, but he made it sound like there was like this big kingdom and he had like multiple villages or whatnot. So I just felt like the chances felt weird. He lost his because his his brother was king. So he became king of his brother's land. But then another king basically took it and added it to their kingdom. And then this village is basically like what's left. Okay. I was confused by that. But either way, uh, Fjolnir looked like way different, though, all these years later. Like, I didn't realize it was the same person, actually. I thought it was a different actor, actually. No, life has gotten to him. And I was like, why did Nicole Kidman marry a different man? And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is him. And, yeah, you're right. Like, talking about a fall from grace. Um, I mean, he still looked great. I mean, it's not like he was, like, old and decrepit. But, like, clearly, like, the environment had, like, taken some years off of him. hmm Absolutely. And in that final, uh, well, not final scene, but the last scene in which he's wearing clothing, um, <laughs> he, he was actually, they originally had him wearing the Vavarfelder in that last scene because they were like, oh, let's bring it full circle, have him wear, like, what he was wearing when he killed, you know, Amleth's father in this final scene kind of like a full circle moment but they said it was just too big for the scene like they were like it just did not look right and so they they had to get rid of it also I wonder if he would be able to like fight in that look too like I like he knew that Amleth was here at this point so I felt like he dressed a little bit more like a little bit more ready to move you know in case he had a fight Um, yeah of, of course we all ditch the clothing for a volcano fight later on but yeah yeah (laughs) um but 
you know, I think it's time for a little break. And when we get back, Spencer, guess who we're going to talk about? Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I'm dying. <laughs> Everybody take a break because you got to get ready for Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, I was talking about Bjork. Oh, <laughs> well, we clearly have different priorities. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Hi, this is Dan, audio engineer of the Blogcast, here to let you know that if you wanted to support the show, you can head over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. There you can buy some awesome Tee Public merch with the Blogcast logo. We have shirts, sweaters, coffee mugs, stickers, and of course, a baby onesie. Thank you for all of your support. talk about my favorite scars guard <laughs> i'm ready for some pillaging i haven't seen some pillaging yet let's do it <laughs> yes we have alexander scars guard as grown-up amleth uh looking scary very scary uh yeah i love it but i knew exactly what they're doing as soon as it started like this viking berserker just like bloodthirsty, ready to go, showing the animal qualities. I was like, oh my gosh, is that Alexander Skarsgård? <laughs> yes. So I find this like this wolf headpiece weird because apparently she talked about it to IndieWire. It's both a wolf and a bear huh? because uh, she said he channels the spirit of both those creatures I wish she had talked more about it because I didn't understand. Right. <laughs> I didn't understand, but it's scary. It's so scary. Very scary. Um, thought I was also excited too. I was like, oh, this is what I wanted to see in this movie. Like that first initial fight scene. Oh my gosh, the part when someone throws a spear, Amleth grabs it, turns around and throws it back. I was like, like at the person. Yeah, I was like, okay, this is what I was here for. Like, we're getting into yes. it. <laughs> so like, badass. It was so cool. <laughs> um I don't know if it's realistic, but I didn't really care at that point. I was like, yeah. Hey, probably, probably. But like this, like these are the looks we see him in in the trailer. And I was like, yes, this is what I came here for. I came here for a shirtless Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> being wild. Like that's that's what I came here for. Thank you for finally providing that after like 20 minutes. <laughs> She also said to A-Frame that comfort was 
a huge thing for Alexander because he's in every single scene. He's basically he's on set basically every day in very inclement weather. The physicality is amazing and he's such a trooper. <laughs> Which then she talks about a rumor apparently went around the internet that he wore the same pair of boots through the entire filming oh my of this movie. What nerds are spreading that rumor? Come on. <laughs> Right. That, I'm right. It wasn't Elizabeth and I, and those seem like the only two people that would care about something like that. Right. I hadn't even heard about this. <laughs> and Linda dismissed the rumor saying he has many pairs uh, of boots in this film. As she explained to A-Frame saying about the boots, they were in varying levels of dirtiness. We actually made boots that looked like they had wraps of leather to make it look like the character was trying to keep them going. But it would be insane to ask someone to do that long of a shoe in a single pair of boots, and I'm not insane. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, no, no. She's like, I know what my job is. And to say that's what I did is insane. I'm not crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly, whoever made this rumor up doesn't know anything about costume design. That just doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, just from... Because she said, like, the weather wasn't great. And I forget where they... I don't know if they actually... Where they... I read somewhere they shot in Ireland, I think. Um, I'm not positive, though. But if it was Ireland, yeah, weather is not great. Yeah. Weather is not good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to talk about real quick. I don't know if you know, but in like the one of the first fight scenes where Amleth is like raiding through that village, he has the circlets on his arms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you know what those are for? Because I noticed them multiple times and I just didn't Um, really. I mean, they look great, but I noticed them. So. They're kind of a plot point in Vikings. Not a plot point, but like a featured thing in Vikings. Um, In Vikings, it was basically like you would swear on them to like your king and the gods. And it was kind of like an outward expression of like your your belief in the gods and like your loyalty to like your chief or your king. Almost like someone might wear like a cross necklace. Right. Is what okay. these armbands are. From, from my understanding from Vikings, which I mean, that first season was pretty historically accurate, which is when they talked about these the most. So uh-huh. I believe that's what they are. Okay. Cool. That's, I kind of figured it was something like that. Um. And I knew you would be the one who might know. <laughs> <laughs> who might know because I just watch way too much television. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Also, I couldn't find uh, really good pictures of this, but she said she talked to A-Frame about this. Um, You know, we see in the village he grew up in and then we see him. One of the first scenes we see him as an adult is he's rowing a boat. And she said, you know, where he the people he comes from, they don't use like they don't use buttons or like fasteners. And then where he escapes to, then you see like button like fasteners. And um, she said to A-Frame, there are no buttons in her her fancy. Okay. Sorry if that's incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't used at that period at that 
place. So now we move to the land of the Rus, which is where they use where they were used. So his linen shirt features a whole row of hand cast buttons. So I'm like, that's like the level of research detail they did for this. Like, hey, during the same period, this place over here didn't use buttons, but this place over here used buttons. And now we're over here. So it's going to have buttons. That's crazy. I love that. But that's so much. <laughs> uh, who was also very much was your g- girl, Bjork, as the seeress. Oh, my gosh. I was so excited. I mean, this is really one of the reasons why I wanted to watch this film. At the end of the day, I was like, I need to see Bjork's return to film. And she's basically playing herself. Yeah. Uh, she's called a Cirrus, but this is Bjork who happened to be time traveling back to you know this world. I have a question. I have a very serious question <laughs> for you because I'm not super familiar with Bjork. Uh huh. Is she an immortal? I think so. Yeah. Because yeah, this yeah, woman yeah. does not look like she's aged since the 90s. She's not aged today, and I heard her voice when her few lines, which she delivered perfectly. I mean, that's just her voice. Like, it sounded like a Bjork. She, like, loves to roll all of her R's and, like, everything about her is just so cool. I was so excited. (laughs) Like, this costume kind of, like, makes the movie... It was worth watching the movie to see this. Yeah. Um, She talked talked about this. Of course, in every single interview, this was brought up. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And... Uh, in the interview to A-Frame, she talks a lot about um, a lot of like the meaning behind what was worn. She said her costume has embroidery in spades, which all of which was hand embroidered, oh my gosh. photographed and screened onto the costume. And her skirt is many, many Slav belts sewn together wow. <laughs> with a beautiful barley headdress. And the shells and bells, which were for fertility, and the bells to ward off people's spirits. Bjork's costume is an intense magnification of all those cultural aspects. Yeah. I mean, you could tell all the research, like, came together in this one costume. Yes. Like, everything came together in this costume. And then... They did this really cool effect, which I I did not like this. They do this several times during the film where suddenly everything's black and white, but you can't tell if it's actually black or white <laughs> or they're just trying to make it seem like he's seeing in the dark. I don't know. It was beautiful. Like kudos to whoever the cinematographer was. Right. Because this was actually beautifully shot, but it really bothered me to go from like full color to maybe black and white. <laughs> It it was more like a black and like blue to me. It felt like it was it it was something. Right. It was it was something. <laughs> and she talked about this to the observer. She said, I played around with what colors to use for her because in the daylight you see the Slav villagers wearing garments with red and black embroidery. And with cinematographer Jarin Laska so sorry, sir. <laughs> lighting, it just would have, with the cinematographer's lighting, it just would have gone to black and wouldn't have any detail at all. So we ended up with p- 
pinks, grays, and peachy colors, which all read beautifully in the light. If you see her in a colored photograph, it's not the colors at all that she appears in appears on the screen oh my gosh i would love to find a photo now of her in a daylight because this right this really dark creepy mystical outfit is actually like peachy and pink and <laughs> a little bit red white very valentine's day colors <laughs> yeah which is so funny because like it is actually incredible how much detail you can see um especially of her necklaces she wore like a million necklaces and Linda said to Vogue that the night before shooting, Bjork called her and said, could we add chicken feet to one of the necklaces? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, let me see what I can do. I called Craig and he had some latex chicken feet they made for props. So I sat at my desk and quickly made that up the night before shooting. That's insane. <laughs> I love Bjork's just like, chicken feet need to be on my necklace. Yes, I love that. That is hilarious. And I also love how like normal and nonchalant this is. Like, oh, okay, well, I'll just call this guy who clearly has some latex chicken feet already being made. So we got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bjork wants it? Okay. <laughs> um... She talked a lot about the headpiece and how um, Robert, he had wanted it to be wheat, but she's like, that was not local to the area they were placing the village. She said they had decided on like a region within Ukraine as where they were setting the Slavic village. But she said barley was um, uh, native to the region. She said to the observer about the barley headpiece, it has more of an oval seed head and it is the same color dried. It was also because the area we landed because of the area we landed on. When I came back to Robert with the research, I told him we really need to decide on a very specific area in order for me to be able to create clothing that would be authentic. Also, Craig needed a certain area in order for icons to exist and robert needed certain a certain area for river access so the area that we all landed on is some part of ukraine headdresses are still used in celebrations they're much more attuned with flowers and more festive we wanted ours to look more connected to the earth and the culture that she was so much a part of so they were like we all need something different for this scene, so can you pick an area? <laughs> <laughs> and I love they were like, pick an area. So we like the research done for this film, because a lot of films just wouldn't care. They'd be like, You want a wheat headdress? We'll give you a wheat headdress. But she was like, Sir, you need to decide where we're shooting this because <laughs> the director's like, those costume nerds are so annoying. They have so many <laughs> questions. <laughs> Linda's just trying to do it right. So mad respect to Linda Murr. Absolutely. And it worked out. What also worked out that I really couldn't find any details on was the mountain dweller zombie king. Uh, I believe it's like a droger is what it might be called. Um, very creepy. I, yeah. I, uh, first of all, I saw this happening from a mile away. I mean, he gets down, you see the guy holding a sword. You're like, do not grab the sword. 
No, no. <laughs> like that thing is going to wake up and kill you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is another issue I had with this movie is they do that weird thing where they're like, oh, are the gods real? Or is it like these people's like imagination? Well, and I'm like, can we just choose one or the other? <laughs> I loved it though, because that's kind of like the idea behind Odin is that he is like, he is like a god, like walking amongst earth and the people, though. So, like, I kind of appreciate that. Like, the gods are like there and amongst us, but also it's like a fantasy, but not really. I thought it was very fascinating. I, I don't know. I think I've seen it better done, which is why I was annoyed because he has this epic, like, duel with this, with this zombie king <laughs> and then it flashes back to him just standing in front of this corpse and just taking the sword i took and it walking away i took it as like it was like a test like a mental test if he was worthy of this sword and uh you know then he passed a test and he actually just ripped the sword from this <laughs> skeleton i guess i guess anyway but- the costume was sick though the costume was sick, especially because it really does look like it's been mummified and sitting there forever. Yeah. Like. It's falling apart. It's falling apart. You can tell from like the shots on set. Like I kind of assumed a lot of CGI was used for him. No, it wasn't. <laughs> that like, that's just how it is. And like, I don't, that was Despite my annoyance that, like, he didn't actually have this epic sword fight, <laughs> um, that was my favorite scene of the movie. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. I was like, ooh, I want more of this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I had a lot of fun with this. What I didn't have a lot of fun wa- with was <laughs> uh, Thorier and Gunner. <laughs> Uh, Fulnir's like punk kids. <laughs> They're so yeah. annoying. Yeah, Almus cousin and then half brother. Yeah, they they kind of sucked. Yeah, I was like, this is also with um with Thorier. I'm like, this is where like Nicole Kidman's argument about like, oh, your father was a filthy slave trader falls apart because this guy. <laughs> she said it does not give <laughs> does not stand shits. up in court. <laughs> <laughs> no and it's like clearly his father like taught him to act this way because even he's like to gunner he's like we have to show the slaves that like they're nothing special yeah they just <laughs> we can do their work too i was not sad about thorier and gunner you know meeting their ends no. i kind of felt bad for gunner he's just a kid yeah, he's just a kid. He doesn't know better, but he still was annoying. Yeah. Um. However, uh, I did like Thor Thorir's uh costumes though. It was very like kind of like yes. noble and chic. It was like he was like the village like fancy asshole, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> that's exactly. He's like you know he's probably been trained to be like oh yeah tough swordsman, but he's you can tell he's never actually like had to fight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Like, uh, Amleth would have destroyed this man if he was not already sleeping. If they got into a sword fight, it would have been no contest. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love, I love Gunner because I'm like, he's like little Amleth 2.0. Like, his mother's dressing him the same exact way. <laughs> right. Exactly. It was kind of confusing. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, 
But then I loved the colors, though, of Gunner's costumes, though, because he, like, very, like, contrasted with the environment around him in a way. I thought he was going to be a bigger character than he actually was. I thought it was going to end with Amleth, you know, destroying the family, everyone except Gunner, and then, like, Gunner would then become, like, the new Amleth, like, I was... I will avenge you, Father. I will save you, Mother, type of thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, however, uh, that doesn't happen because after he gets with Anya Taylor-Joy's Olga of the Birch Forest, he's like, I got to destroy that entire family. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy looked good in this film. <laughs> she looked so good and... I want to talk a little bit more about the embroidery. Um, Linda talked to A-Frame about it. She said, women embroidered the clothing for themselves and their families with motifs at the neck and the sleeves and the hem to ward off evil spirits. But more than that, it was a call to the Slavic gods. There is an interesting fact that I learned, which is apparently... The word for embroidery at the time was the same as the word for writing. These women were writing a future, praying for a future, encouraging a future. And she also says in this quote that the CRS is like the Uber writer. I love that. So I love that because it especially makes a lot of sense for Olga's character Cause she ends up like having his children and is like, yes, like this is the future. She's like a little bit of a witchy woman. So right. she's like, I know what the future is going to be and I am going to get it. Yeah. Olga was great. She didn't really have that many costume changes that I'm like aware of. Um, but that first one where she's like captured was very beautiful. The embroidery was very fascinating on her look and the entire village that was raided. Um, that red embroidery was so beautiful. Uh, but yeah, what I definitely. also found beautiful was this like white blanket that she wears toward the end. I was like, yes. that looks like the comfiest blanket I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so <laughs> I had to run it to the bathroom at one point. Um, and I felt bad for a second getting up and like blocking the screen because it was a little bit of a smaller theater. But I stood up and I was the only person there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, never mind. Um, but then I came back and they were just on the ship. <laughs> escaping. R- escaping right before he jumps off to go murder everybody. Um, but yeah, like this blue cream look of hers. I'm like, ooh, so comfy. So comfy. Yeah, that looks like a nice blanket. I want it. I don't think you missed much. I think they were just talking. They're like, yeah, my mom sucks. Um, (laughs) She lied to me a lot. And then Olga was like, well, let's just hit it. And then they got on the boat. And then he was like, actually, no, I want to go fight them. Yeah. I'm like, honestly, dude, if you just left and like, well, I guess he had already murdered the son by that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, he probably would have come after him. Maybe. Maybe, but... Maybe. Anyways. I don't know. I feel like his uncle didn't care all that much. I know. <laughs> Fionnir was like, oh my gosh, like another one. Like, can't we all just get along? <laughs> also, though, I love this little girl who they both have a vision of, Um, which I'm like, this is kind of why I want to know the story, like the saga the movie's based off of. Because I'm like... 
this little girl looks like a Christian queen of the time. Yeah. Like not a not a Viking or like Norse one. So I'm very interested, like who he's supposed to be the father of. Right. The the twins had some very like interesting costumes. They were stunning. Um, but especially her. Also, I did not like this tree, this family tree <laughs> with like the umbilical cord branches. Like. <laughs> it was a little frightening, but I didn't mind it. <laughs> I I don't it it upset me. Um <laughs> but that brings us to our final kind of weird but amazing character, uh, the Valkyrie. <laughs> I was waiting for this. I kept seeing it in the trailer and I just kept thinking while watching the movie, like, how are they work? How are they going to work in that Valkyrie character for the trailer? And who's in it for like maybe two minutes? Yeah, and probably had one of the craziest costumes of the whole film. So beautiful though i mean i was obsessed with it i don't know that we needed it but it was so cool like this is such a robert eggers moment for sure <laughs> yes when linda was talking about this character to the observer she said in the sagas female characters are often depicted as being equally gory as the men the norns a supernatural creature who determines the course of human destiny are particularly ferocious. So when Robert and I were talking about the Valkyrie, I was encouraging him to make her ferocious. And that's when he came back with the notion of the filed teeth, mm. which I'm like, yes, girl, you get that badass <laughs> warrior woman in the movie. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the Valkyrie was so cool. And like the eye contacts that she had going on, I was like, I would yes. not mess with this Valkyrie at all. no. <laughs> The, like, almost tattooed teeth. Yeah. I was like, in the movies, I was like, or in not in the movie, in the trailers, I was like, why does this Valkyrie have braces on? <laughs> I thought that but too. Then, <laughs> but then when I saw the movie, I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, uh, she talked about, uh, for the armor, she found a tiny piece of metal in a drawer in Rome uh, during one of her expeditions. And she said to the observer, rather than having it heavy like male armor, we tried to make it more ethereal, not like jewelry, but more delicate. That's why her chain mail has gold banding. Her cloak is this glorious red wool lined with goose feathers in three sizes, and it gave this incredible weight and movement. Then I saw it on the rider double and my heart just leapt it was a very special costume that one. Oh, i love it i mean it, it was a beautiful costume you could tell like this character was like not of earth you know like godly like and like the feathers especially like really scream that out it's beautiful one of my favorite costumes for sure um i agree i agree but uh with that that is the end of the Northman, Spencer. <laughs> um, I feel like by the end of this podcast, I think I have come around a little bit to it more. I think what just yeah. was so hard about it was that I felt like I expected something different and I got something totally different than what yeah. I expected. But if I went into it knowing it was going to be like the story of like revenge and family and 
you know, whatnot, that I feel like I would have loved it more. Because I, I do think it was a great movie. It was just not what I expected. It's same. It definitely wasn't what I expected. I also just think there's something missing in translation. I'm like, I, I wonder how it did, like... Because it, it hasn't done particularly well here. <laughs> um, but I would love to see how it like how it's done over like in Europe and more of like the Scandinavian countries. Right. Because I'm like, I wonder if this just isn't vibing with like our American sensibility. Yeah, we're, <laughs> like, we're I like... feel like we're missing something. Right. <laughs> I did love that volcano scene, though. I was like, oh, my God. I kept hearing rumors <laughs> that there is going to be a nude a fight scene and we were getting toward the end and i was looking at my watch that i don't have and i was like where is my nude viking fight scene and then we got to the volcano i was like all right here we go here it is <laughs> nice. here it is um i was originally gonna go see this with my brother and then he, he couldn't come and so i got back and he was like how's the movie and i was like well if you want to see the Viking version of the battle on Mustafar, <laughs> this is the movie to see. <laughs> That's so true. Like if you ever imagine what it looked like if Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker got naked and fought, uh, this is, this is it for you. <laughs> this is it. This is it. <laughs> oh, but Spencer, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited to play our favorite game for this one. <laughs> Let's do it. The one costume to rule them all. Uh, my choice was easy. I mean, it was made when I was in the theaters. It was Bjork's Cirrus costume. I was dying for this. It was very short, so I felt a little like, you know, I wanted more in terms of Bjork's role, but I should have saw it coming. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. You could tell there's so much texture and detail and research in it. I'm a big fan of like research and forming the costumes of a film. And you could tell that that like this costume was like a huge research project culminating into like this one very short moment. It was just beautiful. I loved the shells like covering Bjork's eyes. Like at, at the end of the day, I also felt like very Bjork too, because she does wear a lot of masks and usually covers her face in ways. So it was just really cool. And I loved it. Yeah, you, I'll send you some of the interviews I read because they talk a lot about <laughs> um, Bjork's costume and her involvement with it. And it is a fantastic choice. Uh, my choice for one costume to rule them all is the Valkyrie. Nice. Because it has such an impact, but it's on screen, like, literally, like, maybe two minutes. Yeah. and Maybe it, two minutes. It makes it count, though. Those two minutes are well used. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just like, the fact that you put all this work into something that you probably could have half-assed and nobody would have noticed, like, <laughs> says a lot about just this movie as a whole and how, you know, how into it everybody was. And I love that. Oh, so beautiful. And I saw you change your uh, choice there a little bit ago, not too long ago. I did, <laughs> because I was trying to remember, like, I had a hard time choosing one. And I, so I was like, oh, I guess I'll go with the mountain dweller because I loved that scene. And then when we were talking about the Valkyrie, I was like, oh, my gosh, no, this was my favorite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and with that, that brings us to the end of the Northman. Um, Elizabeth, I enjoyed it. I'm glad we talked about it. I enjoyed it, too. But um, 
Are you ready for another 180 switcheroo, Spencer? Yeah, I mean, there's been too much blood and uncivilizedness in this film. I need to get back to sipping some tea and just watching hot people dance around in balls. Elizabeth, we are watching Bridgerton season two. Yes. It is time. <laughs> I am so excited. Bridgerton season two. So good. I mean, it was incredible. I love Bridgerton. It was so good. Yes, it wasn't as horny as the first season, but it still pays off. <laughs> it still pays off. If you were upset about the lack of horniness, um, <laughs> you know, it's about two entirely different people. <laughs> so maybe don't judge it by your need. <laughs> For sexually charged characters. <laughs> That's, you know who I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what porn is for, people. Anyways. Yeah. Join us next week. We're going to talk about Bridgerton Season 2. We might be talking about Season 1 on our Patreon eyebrows. eyebrows. Mm -hmm. So we have a little something for everyone in the world of Bridgerton. And I can't wait. Absolutely. Everybody, if you liked what you heard, please give us a little five-star text review on Apple Podcast and or Spotify. We would greatly appreciate it. Also, if you want to hear our voices more, we have a Patreon now. Go sign up for that. If you love us and you want to tell the world, buy some The Art of Costume Vlogcast merch. Mm -hmm. You would all look real great in an Art of Costume Vlogcast t-shirt. Mm -hmm. sweatshirt or maybe you just need some like stickers to stick all over your car so you could yeah. tell all the people on the freeway that hey i'm listening to someone talk about <laughs> bear wolf berserker costumes mm -hmm. and willem dafoe's hairline there's something for everyone absolutely absolutely and everybody have a fantastic week <laughs> bye The Art of Costume Blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at The Art of Costume Pod or visit theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. Or you can head over to patreon.com slash theartofcostume for some bonus content. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews, head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. Thank you.